0: Welcome to the Red Bra Project Podcast, where Red Bra Moments Live. I'm Renee Baus, founder and co-creator of the Red Bra Project. Each week, my co-host Shauna and I bring new conversations from amazing women all over the globe, sharing their stories of hope, wisdom, inspiration, and power, right alongside of grit, sweat, resilience, beauty, and tears. These stories help to elevate and inspire your life, creating a positive ripple effect. Get ready to feel the energy, motivation, and self-assurance to rock your every day. We are so excited to have you join us. Let's do this.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Red Brow Project. We are here on episode 58 this is so exciting. Um, I'm here with a wonderful guest tonight. But before we introduce her, I want to say hello to Renee. Hey, how are you doing over there?
0: Hi, I'm hanging in there, doing great on whatever day this is. But we are so excited to be back with each other and with our guests. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see you guys. I'm so excited to be here, too. and. Um, Yeah, I don't know what day it is
1: anymore, but I know that we are Women Crush wednesday with our guests, regardless of uh, whatever day we can't figure out what it is. We know that we're crushing hard today on our guest, Viviana Kral. I'm so excited to have you here tonight, recommended by a former guest, Dr. Summer Watson. Um, And I know you've spoken on her podcast as well, so... We're just excited to hear more about you, share your story with our followers and um, hopefully get you some new followers too from all of this. So um, I'm gonna turn it over to you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about you.
2: Okay, thank you. Thank you both for having me here tonight. This is awesome. Um, Well, my name is Bibiana Kral and I spend the majority of my days writing novels and short stories. um, And I also help produce a I'm um, sort of a vlog on YouTube where I'm trying to get people reading and interested in storytelling and supporting other writers, supporting each other, um, and I'm a mom. And I used to be a world traveler, now I'm just vicariously traveling in my old pictures and consider turning my passport this morning into a, a coffee, like a, a thing to put on the coffee table. Because I don't know if I'm ever going to use it again, which really kind of freaks me out.
1: (laughs) I I have so many follow-up questions for you on that in the year of COVID. And you being an international traveler, like, how does that feel right now?
2: Or were you Um, kind
1: of stopping traveling?
2: Well, I mean, my, my husband and I actually met because of travel and aviation. I was in the... Um, international travel business for years and years before I became a writer. And then I was in private aviation too, and my husband's in private aviation. So that's kind of how we met each other. So we're both sort of travel nuts, but um, You know, we never found the right person to travel with which can be really difficult if you're in Not a weird place. I'll just say a place where things are really not like what you're used to. If you're with the wrong person. It can be so awful. <laughs> And you know, I've I've had to leave people like men, you know, standing in the road and just say, "Okay, I'm gonna go get a glass of wine," and you know, I I just can't do this right now. So, but a few weeks ago, I rented a car because I had cabin fever so bad. I rented a car and drove almost 1,300 miles to go visit a friend who lives in Virginia. But because I was um, so worried about COVID and worried about exposing people and exposing myself, whatever, I literally put food and water in the back of my car and a, and a little blanket and a pillow, and um, I just cruised. I only stopped to use like a restroom and like use the elbow to open the doors and stuff, and and I boogied. I mean, oh my gosh, it was like a 12-hour drive. Mm. So, um. But it's it's amazing though how uh, much time we all spend talking to other people, getting notifications, texting, you know, all this other stuff. You can't do any of that when you're driving for 12 hours through the mountains. So um, it was pretty cool actually. But I think about in the last hour, I was really wishing I was on an airplane, drinking a red wine, and somebody else was asking me if I wanted something. Because you know, I'm really not a road tripper type of person. I'm more of an airplane kind of person. So I like the fact that I can drink wine and get somewhere. And you can't do that when you're driving a car. So, or at least you, (laughs) yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. I mean, if you want to arrive to your destination, you know. But, um, but yeah, I'm just I'm really really missing it. So I've been planning a trip with my husband to Norway. And um, we've decided we're going to go to Norway and we're going to rent one of those little pacer van things. And um, we're going like north of Tromso, And we want to like see wolves and wild salmon jumping in rivers and stuff. We are so ready to get out of here. That sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I just want to stand on the edge of a fjord and do like that thing they did in that. That one movie, uh, The Titanic, before it was sinking, you know. So I just, I, I really, really need it. And I don't want to go to cities right now. Cities seem kind of scary a little bit. So, yeah. So, Big Nature just now, uh, it's just calling my name, you know. I just want to stand on the top of a, a huge peninsula and just, you know, be free for a minute. No Wi Fi either, just the whole thing. So what about you guys? I mean, like are you feeling the same way?
1: Oh a thousand percent. Yeah. I travel for work and I Renee does too, but I mean it's just like this lockdown and not being able to go anywhere is just feeling like I can't anymore. Yeah. I We'll get in a car, but I just want to get somewhere fast right now. So props to you for doing the,
0: the road trip. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, um, you without Wi-Fi though and driving, I mean, it was it had to be kind of nice to unplug a little bit and yeah. kind of enjoy the wide open road and not the same roads you've been on for a little bit, especially as an avid traveler. Um, I know that personally I have about a 10, 10 day, I was going to say 10 week, but it's not really 10 week. It's a 10 day to two week in my normal traveling life where I'm kind of itching at the walls once I get there. Um, right. so this, this stretch has been extremely challenging, so I can definitely relate, relate to everything that you're saying. Um, but yeah, then at the end of the 12 hours, you're ready to be done and really decompress and have a nice glass of right. red and
2: just chill out. So yeah exactly that's exactly what happened because there was some huge storm like in the last hour and it was like lightning and people crashing into each other and stuff and i was really tired and a little bit bleary-eyed you know and so yeah that last hour i was like just get me there just get me there and when i finally got there and i did have the glass of wine i i mean i was like a paper doll you know (laughs) like 10 minutes later i'm asleep (laughs) yeah (laughs) absolutely
0: so, Viviana, you have such a, a diverse and kind of, um, I love that it's multifaceted background and you're such a free spirit. I mean, you get that initially from looking at your website and looking at, you know, your bios and what you've done and where your heart is and your passion. How did you decide that going down the path to be an author was the right career change for you?
2: Well, um, you know, I, I was a weird kid, and I guess I'm kind of a weird grown-up, too, to be honest with you. Um, weird in the sense that I'm, I've i never been confused about anything except for romantic partners. That definitely has its own, that's its own show, and that we, we would need strong beverages for that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, when I was four, I was telling my husband this the other day. When I was four years old I remember the night like it was yesterday and my parents were asleep and I had a tutu on it was like I said I was a little bit of an odd kid and um it was summer and I snuck outside and laid in the grass and the sky was amazing that night oh my gosh it was amazing I grew up in the country so This is a time when you actually could see the stars and you didn't have to be in Maine or Nova Scotia to see them. Um, But anyway, I saw, I was just looking at the stars and I mapped out my entire life. And um, uh, the uh, author aspect of it was the second second part of my, my plan. I have three things I plan to do in my life before I'm gone and this is plan B. So,
1: And how old were you? I was four. Wow.
2: So yeah, it was kind of intense for a four-year-old, I think, you know, I'm from such a huge family. I think my parents just kind of blew it off. They were like, oh, okay, you know, another kid, you know, there was always another kid, but I didn't really share that with people. I just made up my mind. And that's what I sort of, you know, um, that's what I held on to. Even when things weren't really in a, when I wasn't in the position to do it, I knew that I wanted to be um, a novelist basically since I was four. Hmm. So how do you stay on
1: that path? Because you know, I mean, there's so many times people are like, "I just can't." I have fear or whatever. They they let themselves derail. So how did you stay so focused?
2: Well, you know, for a long time, I actually I um, I pursued my my first thing, uh, which was ballerina, and when I was 16 years old, I got in a really terrible crash, and uh, my entire life changed. My dreams changed. Um, everything I was able to do pretty much completely went to zero. So I had to reevaluate and I I did a lot of reevaluating and a lot of rebelling. Um, and years passed, you know, things happen. You've got to pay the rent. You've, you've got to take care of business. You know, dreams, unfortunately don't come first. Dreams, uh, dreams should come first, but they don't. And, um, you can't eat dreams for breakfast and <laughs> dreams don't keep the lights on. Lucky charms doesn't work. <laughs> I know. I wish they did. I wish they did. But um, but yeah, you know, I got a little bit lost somewhere along the way. And then I became a mom and, and that's not lost. That's a different kind of focus. And um, just a few years, you know, five or six years ago, um, I was having like the very worst day you can possibly imagine. I was told by a woman that um I wasn't really bonkers about in the first place. I was told by a woman with about twenty five other women witnessing this that were all colleagues telling me it is what it is, and what I said wasn't important, what I said didn't matter. and I was like, what, what, what? you know.' Everything I feel and say doesn't matter. And um, it, it just did something to my brain. It's almost like I got struck by lightning. And I was like, my loyalties are so in the wrong place right now. And I almost wanted to thank her because she released me from feeling loyalty anymore. And then I was like, okay, it's time to be a novelist. And, and it was just like that. Wow. So so yeah you know she even though it was really brutal how it all went down she kind of did me a favor. Isn't that weird? That's and at the time. (laughs) So so yeah I'd been just sort of I don't know like marshmallowing, marshmallowing through it. It was always sort of in the background, you know, I was always reading books, I was always taking these amazing adventures, and I consider that kind of research for being a writer, you know, amazing research, falling out of love, having dramatic, tumultuous relationships, all that kind of stuff, that's all great fodder for writing stories. (laughs) So Great content right there. Right, right, exactly, like you you can write those. You can write those scenes very easily if you've you've lived on. But but I wasn't actually actively doing it. And that one day, it just really it was like a lightning strike. Like if not now, when you know? If your loyalties have been with these people and they don't see you, they don't appreciate what you're doing or whatever. You know, it's it's time for for my dream. It's time because if I don't do it. I mean, if I'm not what <laughs> right I'm gonna run out of time, and what if I give my loyalty to somebody else, and this same thing happens again, and then two seconds later lights out, you know we're done. That would just suck, you know and, and I did not want that to be me, so you know that's what that's kind of what happened, but she really did her really mean girl kind of attitude really it it, it just smacked me right in the head, I was like. Okay, you know, um, thank you. And, and I hung out the phone and I had just gotten the gigantic fall Vogue edition, you know, the one with all the great fashion in it. Yeah. And I was so ticked off. I almost ripped it in half. And I know. And I hadn't even read it yet. That is strength. Which, which is like so tragic, right? Like you wait all year for that one. And um, even my husband, he saw, he saw what I did to that magazine. He's like, oh my God, you know? And, and he was like, what is wrong? And, and the well, you know, the dam broke. But, but yeah, the, basically the next day, um, I put my, um, my two weeks in and decided to completely redesign redesign everything. And I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if we would have enough money. You know, I went back graduate school, um, we were doing all kinds of like huge enormous changes all of a sudden. I, I really did get struck by lightning, you know, in, in the sense that it was just like, what am I doing? I've been so off track from dream number two. I have a third one too, but I'm going to do that when I'm 75. Okay. You have a plan. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, totally. I made it when I was four. So. Right.
0: Oh, I'm loving this story. And I love that it- turns out that your first plan was to be a ballerina. And that makes complete sense because you were lying in the grass with your tutu on. Um, And I mean, so this is in itself a blessing in disguise because it got you onto your second path. Um, But even that story is, I I only know a little bit about um, the scholarship and kind of how it started. But that is even amazing how you took that first leap, that scary leap and then how the pieces started to fall into line so can you please share a little
2: bit about that I well you know i was i I didn't really know how to be a writer you know and and maybe that sounds weird to people some people just pick up a pen and paper and they start writing but i i didn't i didn't know how to express myself the way that i really wanted to And luckily in Savannah, there's a lot of writers. And in Charleston, there's a lot of writers. I live in a great, you know, um, coastal southern area that has, really does have something in the water. And, I mean, there are some amazing, amazing writers around here that are very successful. And every once in a while, I'll see them at one of the book society things or something, and I'll just be, like, so starstruck. Um, But anyway, I... I decided to attend the Asaba Writers Retreat, and Asaba Island is only about seven miles away, but it may as well be Mars, because it's really wild, uninhabited, um, it has a mansion, and it has a hunting lodge, and just a few other small buildings on it, but basically nobody lives there anymore. Ms. West is, I believe she is 107 now. Wow. and. She she grew up on the island and lived in the mansion and donated this island to the state of Georgia in like the 1980s um, with the promise they would never develop it. But anyway, Osipa Writers Retreat is on, is in the hunting lodge. And um, there were a couple of really famous writers who were there that weekend. And I mean, people like Alice Walker have attended this retreat. So I'm not kidding. It's like... It's, such a big deal. I was so excited to be there. And um, a famous writer who is a, uh, writes naval thrillers um, and his, his work is actually taught at the Naval Academy in the English Literature Department. Well, I didn't know all this about him. I'm not really, uh, I don't read naval thrillers. I read, you know, um, I read a lot of Gothic type things and mysteries, and I was so, so I, you know, I was just clueless, but anyway, he read my work and said, I'm sorry, after he read it, and I didn't really know what he meant, and he said, I'm sorry, I think you, you, you're a writer, but now you need to find your tribe, and I was totally relating to that, of course, I, you know, everybody wants to hear that they, that they're a writer, but Um, He felt really genuine, but still, I wasn't sure about this guy, and um, he wanted to ride on the tailgate with me when we were going back to the ferry, because I'm not kidding, this island has like wild pigs, alligators, (laughs) it's like really, it's a cool place. Um, But anyway, I I didn't want him to ride on the tailgate with me, because I didn't know how I felt about him yet. (laughs) Right. Fair. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm a country girl. When you ride in a tailgate with a boy married or unmarried, it's it's it means that you're you have like some sort of relationship with each other somehow. So I was like, No, I don't I don't want you on the tailgate. <laughs> but anyway, he um said he was gonna offer me a scholarship um at the college where he taught and I was like yeah yeah whatever you know I, I don't know maybe I'm a little jaded I've been around a little too long when people say oh I think it's amazing I'll call you I'm like yeah crickets beep 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 you know I, I'm not gonna sit around waiting for it. I'm just gonna keep rolling but um, I told my husband I said if he's for real I said it'll be here in a week and if he's not then you know I'll just move on with my life and keep writing and um it didn't come on the seventh day, it came on the eighth day. And I almost dropped it in the spaghetti sauce. I was so shocked wow. and so amazed. And um, you know, I was bawling the head off. It was it was really cool. Like it's the good kind of crying that, that women don't get enough of.
1: <laughs> we need more of that in COVID
2: times, the good kind of crying. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> Instead it's more like the sort of like you know, fetal position thing, and you're like, notifications off, right? and then you have like a five pound bag of like Cheetos and your Netflix thing, you know,
0: I wow. totally get it, I get it. Oh my gosh, that is incredible, just about the scholarship, and it wasn't on the seventh day, but it came on the eighth day, so I mean,
2: that even, that even keeps it more interesting. <laughs> I know I well you know on the seventh day I went to bed and I was like you know there there you go there you go you know you got to keep writing you know this guy isn't this guy isn't your entire future and if he is you're in trouble because it's really on you you know but on that night when I went to bed I was just like man you know I don't even want to be bummed out when I'm still bummed out that on the eighth day when it did come I was like you know it felt like Like rockets, like Elon Musk was sitting off rockets in the kitchen. (laughs) So from there, you went back to
0: school. Yes. Okay. And you're still writing along
2: the way, but you're going back to school. Oh, yeah. Well, I actually, um, you know, I went and got a, a master's of arts in fiction writing, and then I got an MFA right after that in creative writing. So basically, and I did an accelerated program. So I basically did two master's degrees back to back in three years. Wow. And wow. I was 4.0 Dean's List the whole time.
1: That's you were passionate about it. When I find that when you actually are in a major or program that you like, like the studies yeah. are that much easier. I mean, not easier, but you know what I mean? Like you just, there's a love for it.
2: Yeah. Well, there's a reason, you know, there's always a reason to power through, I think. But when you really do have a passion for it, it doesn't feel like, you know, somebody's forcing you to, I mean, I'll be honest, the, the creative thesis I edited and, um, cleaned it up three times in one month and it's 135,000 words, um, And, you know, so basically it was almost 400,000 words that were cleaned up and redone and sort of rethought through in a month. And I was wearing heating pads on my wrist just because, I mean, like it was bad. It was really, I felt like I was on some kind of weird, like Mad Max Iron Man thing for your brain.
0: (laughs) The image that just came to my mind was the image you guys have seen the quote with the ballerina on the toes when they're unwrapped and this is all the goes right. behind everything you see and you don't see all of that sometimes and that's exactly what actually came to mind Viviana. as you're describing you know all of the hours and time you were spent with that and the heating pads on your wrists I mean um that's amazing and I think that something that I think that is really, I think that you're going to be able to shed a lot of light on is what were some of the feelings and emotions that you were feeling going through a career change? I know we kind of talked about that a little bit, but I mean, especially right now, that is super valid because some people are being pushed into a career change, whether you want to or not. Other people are, you know, ready for the career change, ready to dive in. Other people may be mourning what they can't do anymore so there's so many emotions and feelings going in but um, talk to us a little bit just about the career change and what that meant and felt like for you
2: well um, it was really it was you know what's really funny is i was more worried about what it was going to do to my personal relationships than about the career change itself so i was you know i was contributing financially um, before that, you know, and I, 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 was, I was doing my part with money. I was doing my part with, um, you know, the grocery shopping. And, and we have, you know, two daughters, you know, both teenagers. And, you know, so I was, we were, you know, co-parenting, all that kind of stuff. But when I went back to graduate school, I couldn't always make dinner. Because literally I had to, you know, tag in... To some virtual class and I had to answer like all these questions and modules with people in real time or, you know, so some of my responsibilities were not uh, I really had to shift to other people. And that's not easy because people in a household relationship. Sometimes they don't say it, but they have an expectation that certain people have to do certain things. So that role change stuff can get a little bit weird with your partner because maybe your partner secretly thinks that whatever it is that they're doing is something that you should be doing. So you get these really weird, you know, like sort of undercurrent power plays. And, you know, I don't even think people mean to do them. Sometimes it just sort of happens. So I was really more concerned about that kind of stuff. And, and the fact that money was was going out the other way because I was buying really expensive books and you know I was saving money on gas you know I wasn't commuting as much it was before I was commuting like two hours round trip Mm -hmm. you know so so my car you know was not getting all that mileage but but changing careers the most terrifying thing for me about it was was how it was going to affect my personal relationships as far as like Learning new skills or having new people. Um, you know, that's never been really a big thing for me. I actually like that newness. Yeah, because at first there's that honeymoon phase where everybody's cool. And maybe even the people who aren't really that nice might get you a coffee at first. (laughs) (laughs) Then like a year later, it's like, you know, claws out, but, um, you know, hopefully not. But, you know, sometimes it is how it works. But I think um, the most, the hardest thing too was also the social aspect. I mean, I'm not young. And most of my cohort were 25, 26, 27. So they're what I call professional students. They go right from the bachelor's to the master's and maybe the PhD. So when they're like 35 years old, they're finally done with school, but they've been in school for, you know, most of their life. And so I was like this weird chick who wears like crazy scarves and stuff and uh, shows up and I was at least two, you know, 20 years older than than most of the people, not all of them, but most of them. And so socially it was really hard, you know, too, because they had different value systems, different ideas of what's cool, um, just a, a lot of different things. But the funny thing is, is is that you know i've worked hard my entire life for everything that i have so when it really came down to i mean balls to the wall hard stuff um you know i was all right and uh so it sort of taught me a lesson that maybe somebody has youth maybe somebody's better looking maybe they're even funnier you know which to me is more important i think funny is more important than good looking but Um, the whole thing is, is everybody's got something that they bring to the table and mine is stamina and the ability, even when, you know, I feel like I'm basically in a nut crusher, I'm going hard and I'm going to go until I'm done. And that's not something that some people can handle because they don't have enough life wisdom to realize that the best way to get away from the Minotaur is to run straight ahead. You know what I mean? Like you don't stop, you don't sit down, take a little breather, just roll it, roll it, roll it. And maybe, you know, maybe you'll get away, maybe you won't. But but yeah, you know, I think that's what's the most terrifying is that whatever it is that you're working on is going to change your life to such an extent that you're gonna feel like you've lost something really important. But I think what people forget is sometimes those changes is how you're going to get to the really great stuff, but you, you kind of have to, have to take that chance first.
1: Absolutely. I want to go back to your international travel or your travel in general, because I'm just, you know, I think everybody right now is sitting there dreaming of places to go and where they could be. Oh, yeah. um, so, and this was this was supposed to be my year of travel. I was going to do my first independent trip, and so it didn't happen. So, I guess, what is one favorite location you have, if you could pick one that you would recommend an independent Gosh. trip?
2: Oh, if you were going to go by yourself, yeah. well, you know, I think I think travel is is as individual as fashion. It's as individual right. as maybe even your favorite foods. Um, I mean, I'm. I I would go anywhere by myself, <laughs> so I'm not like like a lot of people. But I think when when women, if a woman is going to travel by herself, I think the most important thing for her to do is first of all to work on her her fitness. And the reason I say that is not only do you maybe need to you know physically be a little stronger, but it gives you confidence and maybe a sort of physicality that will help you be safer, you know, in certain places, especially where women are seen differently maybe than they are here in America. But um, I mean, honestly, I I (laughs) I would go almost anywhere, except for, um, you know, there are some countries in the Middle East, you know, you'd have to pay me a lot of money to go to because, you know, there's just a uh, there's a disconnect in some some of the value systems for me, so I refuse to give my money, you know, to to that value system. But that's just a personal preference for me. Um, <clears throat> but if if I was a woman and I was going to travel alone, I don't know. Is city, country, island? Like, give me a give me an example. Like, where were you going to go on in your independent trip?
1: Oh, I wanted to go somewhere in Europe because I really don't travel internationally. Um, and I wanted, I just, I'm a—I'm a, um, a needy friend. So this was supposed to be my independence. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: well, being,
2: I think- Knowing uh, myself really
1: well, I'm the needy friend. <laughs> needy friend. Um,
2: well, I think from the perspective of a, a woman traveling alone, if I was going to be in Europe, I would say that the- um, you know, the northern countries like um, Sweden, and Norway, and Denmark, I think you would, you would feel really comfortable there. And the reason I say that is because the, um, the feeling that I get when I'm there is people sort of hang out with their friends. So it's like groups of friends. So it's men, women, you know, uh, people who've known each other sometimes from childhood, sometimes from college. And so if you're that person who just sort of shows up and you're a cool American, um, people would totally hang out with you, have a beer with you, you know, talk about life with you or, or hang out at a cafe and you wouldn't feel totally alone because it's a very sort of social kind of um, uh, society in that part of the world. And I think women are um, treated more equally as well. Because there are some places that I travel sometimes, and, and literally I will have, the first thing someone says when I check into the hotel is, where's your husband? And I don't, you know, and I wasn't married then. And I was like, you know, I don't know, he's in the future.
1: <laughs>
2: you know, he's somewhere in the future. Let's see if I find got it. to that star Right. Yeah. Why are we talking about my husband? I have my own money. I have my passport. Like, what? You know, do do I need a man to check me in because you think I can't sign my name, or what's going on here? What are you asking me? So, and sometimes when you go to certain places, you you know you'll get that. But there are so many places though that you could go. Um, but you know, I have heard that the past couple years. Um, you know, in some of the big cities like Paris and Frankfurt and whatever, some of the situations dealing with people who um, sort of live on the fringe have increased because the poverty's increased, you know, the political aspects have have really changed. And um, so people have come as refugees and that kind of stuff. So, you know, when there's a lot of people on the street that maybe don't have somewhere else to go. I think uh, from a woman's perspective, it's not as safe as like a, we'll say like a Caribbean island where everybody knows everybody. I mean, it's an island. How far is anybody gonna go if they, you know, try to do something or whatever. But I mean, I've, I feel comfortable almost anywhere. But if it's a, uh, a place that has like a lot of street crime or a lot of social issues or whatever, I always start thinking about those things and, you know, try not to, try not to travel at like three o'clock in the morning. Or if I do want to have more than one drink, I tend to have a the my hotel, so I'm not riding around in taxis at one o'clock in the morning. You know, buzzed out of my mind, and I don't know where the taxi driver is going. That that kind of stuff can be kind of not really the best situation for a woman. But if you know karate or you know, um, what is that Krav Maga stuff? Like, just go ahead. I mean, you'd be fine.
1: <laughs> I don't know either of those, so I will take the first <laughs> sip. <laughs> But like, yeah, no, that's great. But I also love the physical fitness, too, because I think you're right. I think it gives you a sense of confidence.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: so that you're not, con- so you feel good being there. You're not constantly watching over your shoulder and not enjoying right. it. Right.
2: You feel yeah. like you can handle, handle yourself. And um, not only that, but, I mean, if you really are traveling by yourself, you're going to have to carry your own stuff. So if you're not carrying your own stuff or or it's too heavy or you're depending on wheels, which in Europe can be really bad because there's so many cobblestones and not really accessible type of entrances, you know, you're in big trouble if, if you can't at least carry your 35-pound, you know, 45-pound bag on your own because there aren't very many people anymore who are going to help you with it. Sorry to tell you, but I learned on a a very dramatic European trip, that if you can't carry your own stuff, don't bring it. Uh So I lost a pair of Spanish high heels on a train track that day. It was bad. It was really bad. (laughs) That sounds like your next novel. We got in such a huge fight. Such a huge fight but it's because we were in a beer hall and there was this couple from Amsterdam who'd gotten married like three days before and um, they wanted to swap partners. Oh, Right, so we're drinking beer. I don't even know these people. And they just mentioned it like the same way some people would say, oh, it was 85 degrees today. They just kind of mentioned that. And my, my partner was, I think, kind of open to it. I was not open to it and um we got in a huge row and you know my my spanish high heels got thrown out of my bag and i had stuff flying everywhere out of my suitcase i mean it was bad but maybe it was just a really strong beer you know (laughs) that is true bibiana that is
0: like content have you written about that yet i know i haven't i
2: haven't yet
0: but i mean you can always make it a little fictional and then it can be legit That's true
2: that's true but i just i couldn't understand why people just got married and all, they're already bored i'm like what three days into it you're in trouble dudes you know
0: man <laughs> but, yeah. you have so many good stories i am sure you are going to be filling the pages for a long time and i am so i know that you have a series coming up that i'm going to let you share with us a little bit about because i feel like it's perfect for. Halloween and autumn and I'm a big kind of haunted good scary movie good book you know kind of girl um but I refuse to admit that the summer might be coming to an end but I'll I'll get over it (laughs) I
2: know it's summer the summer feels like it it was like an invisible summer is there such a thing as maybe that's even a title of a novel yeah yeah the invisible summer Yeah, because you know what? I did not go swimming once. Once. I just got in my
0: bathing suit for the first time last week, and I can't even believe it. Yeah. I know.
2: I mean, I had all these plans to go you know, kayaking and camping over on Little Tidy and all kinds of stuff. None of it happened. I mean, so yeah, invisible summer. I think I... I've got it. I'm actually writing that down. Now. Does, yeah.
1: Well, you can come back to this and watch it again if you forget. But yeah, exactly.
2: Fine. Well, um, the the new book that's coming out is called Hearthfires. And um, I co-wrote it, which I never, I, I never co-write with people, mainly because of the fact that, you know, my stuff is, it tends not to jive well with other people because it's just, it's me and I'm unapologetic about it. Either you love it or hate it. I don't think ever people ever feel neutral about what I'm doing, but, um, hearth is six stories. So Veronica Kleinbarton wrote three, I wrote three, and we wrote them during lockdown and during mercury and retrograde and all of these weird things started happening to us. And, you know, I've had weird things happen to me my whole life. I'm really super connected to some kind of energy in the universe that, you know, What can I say? It makes no sense to other people, but I'm used to it now. So it makes sense to me. But um, Veronica has never had this kind of stuff go on. Well, it was going on at her house while we were writing this stuff and talking about the stories. And she had water coming out of a pendant in her living room, like over her computer. And um, yeah, and I told her she had to, like, tie a red ribbon (laughs) around the doorknob in her house. And she did it, Getting and it chilled. was, a... <laughs> and she did that, and uh, everything was okay. And then all of a sudden, she was in her. Uh, she heard noise the next day coming from her second story. Um, her like one of her guest bedrooms where she writes, and she has a fireplace. It has one of those electronic little snappy things so you can turn the flames on. Well, um, music was coming out of the fireplace. And, yeah, and it's, like, you know, 95 degrees in California, so she didn't have the fireplace on. Oh, God. Um, And she's, like, what the heck is going on? I mean, like, music coming out of, like, where the, like, fake logs are. And she called me freaking out. She's, like, what is this? I'm, like, dude, I don't know. That's a new one for me, too. Um, But it turns out one of our neighbors had some weird Wi-Fi, and there was a Wi-Fi component that was in her fireplace. And somehow his music was playing it. I, I don't know. I still don't quite understand that. But um, with me, um, I was writing this story about uh, somebody told me a story about something really bad that happened to a girl um, in the 80s around here. And the people who did it weren't punished. And um, people, a lot of people knew who they were, and they weren't punished and she's scared, the woman who told me the story. And I have been looking for a way to write this story ever since. So I'm thinking about writing the story and all these weird things are happening to Veronica. And I went out on my porch at like four o'clock in the morning and um, took a little walk. Sometimes I do that and Uh, the court, there's an old courthouse, like a really historic one, you know, the one that was in The Gift, that movie that was filmed in Savannah, Mm -hmm. with uh, it's, well, that courthouse is is really close to me, and um, there was mist up in the window, and it looked like somebody was up there, you know, like all the windows are dark, I mean, it's four o'clock in the morning, and um, there's like a fog on the window and it looks like somebody's been up there writing messages like with their finger. I'm like, what the heck? This, it was, it really creeped me out. Creeped me out more than if there was like, you know, like a dude laying in the bushes or something that grabbed my ankles, you know? So I was like, oh, this is too weird. Went home, locked the doors, you know, whatever. And a couple of days later, I was drawn to go, you know, back again, of course. You know, curiosity killed the cat. It also killed the writer. Um,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but anyway, um, there was something in the window again. And and I realized that it was time to write that story. And that story, that's, that's actually the title of the story, The Window. And that's what kind of gave me the idea on how I could talk about something that someone whispered to me, names change, situation, you know, kind of changed, whatever, but, but I'm still telling this person's story and she knows I'm telling this story because when I ended it, um, I could kind of feel like a presence around me, you know, like grateful that I had sort of put this information out there, but also kind of like not, I don't know, it's hard to explain. And then I thought about it and the next day I changed the ending to have more of a poetic justice. And I felt um, the satisfaction, and I felt this spirit finally leave me. So she's happy. She's happy because I gave her the poetic justice or the justice that she never had in real life. So, But these stories are unusual because they're short stories, but they feel more like novels. They're fully developed. They have amazing characters. They take you around the world. So you're going to go to Savannah. Uh, Louisiana, Salem, Big Sur, Scotland and Paris in these in in hearthfires and I'd be happy to send you both um you know a copy of them when they come out September 7th and we made a little well Veronica did it she she made a little sort of spooky swag because the theme in this particular collection is the Ouija board So somehow the Ouija board shows up in every single one of these stories, but you're not necessarily using it, you're not necessarily having spirits, you know, come out of the board or anything, but the Ouija board pops up in one way or another through the stories and it's really cool to see how they, how it shows up. But we feel like writing during COVID and writing during, you know, Mercury and retrograde that um, in a lot of ways the the spirits were sort of, you know, wandering, agitated, looking for somebody to scare the heck out of as if we weren't all scared enough this year, right? That when Veronica and I started writing these stories, we actually feel like we were guided, kind of like the Ouija board, and that's where that idea came from.
0: Wow.
1: Well, I'm
0: not going to tonight now. <laughs> <laughs> That is incredible. I mean, ah, talk about a thriller. If you're going to sit there and in the dark and light a candle, pour a glass of wine, a bowl of candy corn, and just read. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. sounds wicked. That's awesome. I'm so excited for them to come out. So you said September 7th.
2: And Mm -hmm. where can viewers and readers purchase? Um, Well, right now, it's on pre-order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, Kobo, and some other, you know, basically the 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 main bookstores and it will be available in paperback on September seventh. Right now the pre-order is just for the ebook. Okay. Um because we're in the final design of the paperback because we, we have something called Arc Readers. So there are people who read the book in its final sort of um, phase. And um, you know, we're we're hoping to put a few of the reviews on the inside or or on the cover so we're holding off just a few more days to just see if we can put our our final final phase on it but um i mean we're we're all over the place for sure if you look for hearth fires on goodreads or my name bibiana crawl if you don't see hearth fires i would be in absolute shock at this point because we we did a trailer on youtube um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I produce a lot of uh, book trailers and I do it for clients sometimes too, but um, you guys picked like some of the best places for like an October,
0: um, you know, thriller story to take place by the way.
2: Well, we knew, you know, I mean, if, if there's any way to check the temperature, if anybody was feeling even close to the way I was feeling, I was like, you know what you, if, if you've been you'll feel like you're you get to go again and if you've never been, you will actually get to smell, taste, mm-hmm. feel, get some of the local culture. Cause I was in Big Sur in March. So I mean like I literally remember how it smells. I remember how the air felt on my skin. Yeah. I had a very weird conversation with a dude named Merlin in a Sequoia Forest. Not kidding. Um He, his name was Merlin. I mean, who just walks around in the woods, except for me, and meets a guy named Merlin, who wants to talk about how redwood trees can hear people talking.
0: You know, you can't, you can't make some of this stuff up. And I think that just falls into line with you becoming an author and sharing some of this. And like I said, you know, I know you're a fictional writer, but there's so many of your own content and stories that you can simply use like that. Um, how cool to have something that cool come out of COVID and do a partnership with somebody else that you don't typically do that. I mean, those are tons of positives and you are kind of going on a virtual journey and taking your readers along with you. Right.
2: Yeah. And you know, we, she and I are both really proud of that too, because you know, it, it's, It's really easy after two or three weeks of being kind of locked up, being worried about your job, being worried. I mean, the toilet paper thing, you know, I don't understand. I mean, toilet paper's great, but, you know, I was more worried about, I don't know, dying, uh, not having any money, being homeless, you know, so those were kind of like sort of, you know, higher level issues for me. But, um, you know, she and I, we're just talking one day and, and we were just like, you know, what are we going to do? And I'm like, well, I'm going to write, you know, I'm going to read books and I'm going to write. And she's like, well, I'm reading books and I'm writing. And I'm like, and she's the one who actually suggested it. I was, you know, I've done a few partnerships with people before and they, it could be really hard. I mean, writing with another person, like like you two have this channel you do together. If you have the right people, it's magical and it's amazing. If you have the wrong people, oh, my gosh, it's just like the worst. <laughs> and you can't get away from it. You know what I mean? And, you know, and I had known her for a while. So, you know, so that was cool. But you still never know. It's like the first time you go on vacation with somebody and you go somewhere like really remote um, and then you just realize they don't know how to. Be in a place like that or or they're just like exceptionally rude to like service people in restaurants or whatever and you're like literally, you know, 3000 miles away from like wherever. And you can't ditch this person you're stuck with them for two weeks or three weeks or a month or whatever. But, you know, thankfully, none of that happened. But I do tell people if you get into a partnership with somebody, especially a creative one. If you don't know that person, if you really don't know their style, if you're not entirely sure that you could hang out with each other, you know, on a, on a remote island with no Wi-Fi and not want to choke each other, you might want to rethink it, you know. <laughs> Chemistry is a big deal for sure. It's huge. It's huge. And with COVID and being locked up with your family and being worried about all this yeah. other stuff or whatever. You know, the stress level is like through the roof for everybody. So can you imagine if it was not a good partnership and the COVID thing, it would just be like, you know, I'm going to go lay face down in the grass and, you know, just come find me tomorrow. (laughs) You know, maybe I'll you know be okay I don't know but yeah it's
0: crazy you feel like you have a pair of patient pants that are have to grow 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 and stretch yet your other pair right. are shrinking 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 shrinking. so
2: I know exactly and and yeah uh, you know they to me they there's no time to wallow or to really be afraid there are times in the you know in life to be afraid and of course you know Um, all of these changes we've all been through this year, it's, it's scary. It's certainly scary. And I mean, I wrote another book that was a new release that came out in June. That's about a devil car. And what's kind of hilarious is this devil car isn't even scary compared to COVID. Right. I mean, like think about the year we've all had. So in the story, the girls in Warsaw and actually rides in this devil car that's an urban legend from the area. Wow. Um, And I read about it in an in-flight magazine when I was going to, um, going to London a couple of years ago, and I was like, oh, this is such a crazy story. So, um, yeah. but, you know, I think about that a lot, though, in the past couple of months, that the fact that getting basically kidnapped by some supernatural person in a devil car is less scary than 2020. <laughs> I think we have all learned this year
0: anything, anything, and that means positive can happen. Right. Right. Shauna, I think okay, do we have you? Do you hear us?
1: I'm in and out. I keep losing audio, but I'm I pop back in and I laugh when I hear a
0: joke. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs>
1: Um, but yeah, I, I did want to ask, and we asked all of our guests, so I don't want to to not ask you, but, um, and I know you've looked at our stuff, but the red bra really symbolizes those moments of courage, having confidence, you know, whether that bra is on the outside of your clothes or inside and people can't see it. But what is one of those moments where you just felt so strong? And- um, you
2: know, I, I think this year, you know this this year there there have been a lot of those moments but you know when um after we had been kind of locked up for about a month you know around here and the state of georgia actually decided to um sort of you know open businesses and and all of that kind of stuff way before the rest of the country and you know, I've been trying not to shop, trying not to go out, you know, at all because I was concerned if something happened to me, you know, what's my family going to do? You know, I need to like, I need to be okay for them, if not even for myself. So for me, I'm actually going out in the world again with a face covering on and not being afraid, doing whatever I need to do. And um, not being petrified was kind of a huge deal because I saw a lot of other people being petrified, kind of uh, a little bit frozen, not able to, you know, go out in the world again without extreme anxiety. And I, I have to admit that, you know, when I was standing in line that first time and I was in Walmart, you know, and this isn't Walmart's fault or whatever, but there was a person behind me who absolutely, did not respect the space, excuse me, and he was so close to me, I mean, like, like this, and, and finally, I turned around and I said, you need to step back, do you see the big circle that says, you know, six feet away, you're one foot away, let's move five feet back, you know, and the woman who was, you know, running things through the register was, you know, I could tell she was kind of tired of, of everybody, but um, she sort of laughed. This guy didn't think it was funny, but he did. He did do it. But I, I think there's so many acts of courage, so many red bra moments uh, this year. I mean, I started New Year's with my family jumping in the freezing cold ocean. We do it every year at high noon on January 1st. So if you're ever near Savannah on January 1st, I'm gonna make you jump in the ocean with us. I will yeah. not be there then. <laughs> <laughs> even my mom did it. My mom did it a few years ago. I couldn't believe it. She did it. She was so cool about it. Um, but yeah, you know, it started with courageous acts. And, and we try to do that. We've been doing it for 10 years now with our kids. But um, for me, you know, the past couple years, the most courageous thing has been to keep going, even though... Um, I get a lot of discouragement, you know, people tell me, oh, you're not good enough, or you're too old, or you're too chubby, or you're too blonde, or you're too whatever, you know, I can't even tell you how many times I've had people tell me I was too something, I'm like, well, when am I going to be enough, you know, so I think the, the most courageous thing anybody can do is to stop trying to please everyone else and try to please themselves and try to follow their dreams even if nobody else on the planet believes in you, believe in yourself because, you know, you gotta do that first. And um, there's so many people who wanna, who wanna tell you you're not gonna succeed, who wanna tell you what you're doing wrong. So, you know, and that's fine. You know, critical feedback is great. And um, I think it's important for people to get it but on the other hand if you listen to all of that negative feedback you're never going to do anything you're never going to be brave and bravery sometimes is is truly just about doing whatever your heart tells you to do even if nobody else understands it
0: oh i love that that's so good thank you that
2: should be a quote that should be a quote in the beginning of one of your books well maybe it will be. Maybe it will be. Maybe in maybe in the beginning of Invisible Summer. Hey, we look. Go. We have red Brow first. Know. Maybe this is a red dwarf first born book. I don't know. That's yeah. right. I know I think I am going to have a male character with with really great abs. I'm just going to throw that in because <laughs> why not? You know. Yeah. I I think that's going to be the quiet new neighbor. You know, and maybe <laughs> maybe he'll be really nice maybe he won't maybe he'll be you know spooky and mysterious he'll be doing you know sort of black market um toilet paper distribution from his garden shed
0: (laughs) oh man after this year yeah anything is possible
2: (laughs) yeah really i know i've never in my life seen so many discussions about toilet paper etiquette in my life Well, I love your red bra share. And
0: I think that it is so important, especially during this time and reflecting on, you know, those things that we thought were courageous and brave and how we've all kind of had a major reality check. And some of us are struggling with going back out just in public and dealing with that anxiety. And um, that's just a good message because you're not alone. You're not alone out there and everybody is feeling it. You may feel lonely, but everybody's feeling it. So thank you so much for sharing that, Viviana. Um, so we talked a little bit about your new series coming out uh, September 7th, but tell all of our listeners and viewers where they can find you, what they can find more of and your, your 25 free certificates for the audio book for the book we didn't talk about yet. So shine a little light on it. Okay.
2: Well, it's it's escape into the blue. Um, Escape into the Blue was the the novel pages that I read to that that professor on that island who gave me the scholarship. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. So it was really my first, it's kind of a psychological thriller coming of age. It's about a teenage runaway in the Caribbean who's beautiful and absolutely nuts. She's out of her mind. She does stuff that's really dangerous. And she meets really dangerous people and, um, you know, it's, you get the nature. I mean, you are on a Caribbean Island with this girl and she loves the ocean. So, but you're also hanging out with, uh, you know, a Don, you know, a, a crime, a crime boss. So there's some pretty crazy stuff that happens on this island. Like another great fall read. Yeah. You know, and it's a, it's a great beach read too. Yeah, it really is. It's, so, so yeah, you're gonna get that that full, if you don't feel like you're on a Caribbean island after you're done reading this, I, I don't know where you've been, because <laughs> you're gonna, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of rum in this story. A ton <laughs> of rum, I love rum. So, um, but Escape Into the Blue, just went to audio, uh, also taped and recorded during COVID. By the fantastic narrator, Megan Meyer. Um, And uh, she's getting her master's right now of fine arts as well. So um, she's just fantastic. And she agreed to work with me on this project. And, um, you know, it just came out maybe three or four weeks ago. And I have 25 promotional certificates um, and people can, uh, get in contact with me and tell me that you saw the Red Bra Project. Um, just slash contact and send me a message and tell me that you saw the ladies um, you know, show or you were on their blog or whatever. And I will, all I need is an email and I can send you a free certificate and you can you know, give it to a friend if you want. You can listen to yourself. If you want to leave a review on Audible, that's great, but you don't have to. There's no requirement and there's, there's no, no catch to it because Audible is really wonderful. They give me um, X amount of certificates that I can offer to people and Escape into the Blue is great because you have Sophia who takes these enormous chances. I mean, enormous chances and she's, She's putting all this change in her life and she's in, in between this bohemian, you know, enjoyment of, you know, being free because she's, she's only 17. So, I mean, this girl's supposed to be at home going to high school. Instead, she's bartending in the Caribbean and meeting really hot guys named Armando. So what can I say? But yeah, so you get a little bit of that romance in there too. But, um, you know, she's living the 17 year old fantasy of basically not being at home doing the stuff you're supposed to do. But, um, but yeah, the audiobook is like eight and a half hours long. So, if you drive, uh, or you have a lot of yard work, <laughs> right? Right. But the cool thing about, um, uh, Audible is <clears throat> and iTunes. You can just download like the little app and you can stop it where you're at and you can listen to it next week or what like you don't have to listen i mean who the heck has eight or nine hours to do anything straight right now except make money right or sleep if you're lucky but um <clears throat> but yeah escape into the blue is a really cool story because it has the elements of romance it has adventure in the Caribbean. But it also has some social dialogue in there, too, because Sophia, you know, she comes from Chicago and she goes down to the Caribbean and doesn't know anything about the Caribbean. And she's noticing, you know, differences and um, imbalances in some of the, the social aspects of what goes on on the island. Like there's a huge difference between the visitors and the people who actually live on the island and serve the visitors when they show up on the cruise ships and that kind of stuff. So there's a little bit of that going on sort of in the background. I mean, how much does a 17-year-old know about any of that? But but still there is there's a a real feeling that you're on an island. So I know one of you, one of you, I saw some pictures of St. Thomas. I forget who. who yeah. Who are the, that's me. Those were yours? Yeah. That's See? what I'm talking about when you're on the island and like, it's time for school. You'll see all the little kids in their cute little uniforms, wow. you know, and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's a totally different aspect of society than what you might see, like, over in Charlotte Amalia when the ships come in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally different. Yeah. Totally different crowd, different everything. So I tried to cover both of those aspects because I lived in the Caribbean for a couple of years. And... Um, and I noticed that there's a huge difference between living in the Caribbean and visiting the Caribbean. But um, you do always have um, the best rum though, if you live on the island. I have to say that. It's true.
0: Rum's cheap, cheaper than milk. <laughs> it is!
2: $3! $3, $3 a bottle, for goodness sake. Just saying! <laughs> $3 a bottle. Oh my gosh, I miss those days. I really do. I used to mix it with... I, like fresh mango and papaya juice, Ooh. the best. Like 151, <laughs> white rum, woo! <laughs> well, um, we are so
1: grateful that you're sharing that and you shared your website. Can you share where else our guests can find you or our viewers um, can find
2: Well, you, you know, my, my biggest presence is on Twitter. Basically, I'm just bb on a one crawl on Twitter. Or you can just type in my name, and I, I'm on Twitter so much, I think i just show up. But um, I have my own hashtag, which is hashtag read original, um, so that people can find a lot of my other stuff. But I'm also on YouTube, Bibiana Crawl Books and Barefoot Films. And I'm also on Instagram as Stardust Mermaid. Um, And I did that initially because I wasn't even sure if I was going to stay on the platform because I didn't really understand why people just looked at pictures and liked them and stuff. But, you know, I'm starting to actually meet people. So now it's making sense. But before I was like, I have pictures in my camera roll. Why am I on this? You know, why am I here? So I'm starting to understand that you can actually form relationships with people. But my website really is the best place because usually when I'm working on something new, um or I have a new book coming out, my YouTube and my, my website, vivianacrawl.com, usually is where I try to flagship stuff because I've, I'm putting content out all the time. So um, those are the best places to really look. But Hearthfires, you know, the new collection with Veronica Klein Barton, I'm just so excited about. The stories are so good. I'm actually thinking about pitching them as a TV series, when um, a, in a month or so, when we're you know past the phase of um, doing the launch and that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm honestly thinking about having us write another year's worth of stories and pitching the series. So cool! That would be awesome. I'm so excited to read it too. Well, I can't wait. You guys need to make sure that you send me an email with a way to get you. You know, a physical copy of the book and I'll send you a little spooky Halloween swag to go with it because, you know, but we are already planning a book too. we've been so happy and thrilled with how this has gone that we have um, we're talking about talking about haunted objects next year. So we'll see. We'll see yep. if that happens. How exciting. I'm a little scared of like Annabelle and you know. Like, oh, my God. oh my gosh. It is so creepy. <laughs> I know. Supposedly she got away again. Oh. You know, like she escaped last week and you know. I, I, so I was joking around that Annabelle was like surfing and Annabelle was on the ferry and you know, I haven't seen her, thankfully. Oh my goodness. But but yeah, you know, I I love tonight at all. (laughs) Well, Annabelle's surfing on the, you know, she's in, she's on the ferry going to Catalina. You're fine. Um, I know you're
1: like, I'll send you the book. I'm like, I'll start sleeping (laughs) with the lights on. That's fine.
2: It's good. (laughs) Well, the most interesting thing about these stories is there is a little bit of truth in, in some of them, especially my story, the window, you know, like I said, I had to change it because we're dealing with kind of scary people who who uh, have done some very, very bad things. And, you know, why, why certain things never get dealt with? That's, that's a great question. I'm gonna ask that question in the next life, perhaps. But, um, you know, I like to talk about the mysterious world because the mysterious world has always been part of mine. And when I was a little kid, I used to thought it was, I think it was some sort of like mental defect or something, you know, in myself. And now I just realized that my wiring is different than a lot of people's wiring. And I've come to accept that, you know, when I hear messages or when something connects the dots, like the weird thing being drawn in the window or whatever, they're messages for me and they shouldn't scare me. Instead, what they should do is is force me to think about where they fit and, you know, Um, I had a very dear friend pass away last week, last Wednesday, and we sort of knew some of this was coming, you know, and that kind of stuff, but this is is what's so weird. And this is going to be one of the stories next year. Um, So I wrote a story about hippies in the 60s, and um, these people were getting haunted by these ghosts in San Francisco and she read the story, and I didn't know this about her past, but apparently this woman was partying the summer of 67. You know, she was there, and I, w- I was born in 68, so I'm like making all this stuff up, right? But anyway, she was apparently in the Marin Headlands partying with Jefferson Starship, you know, during the, like, the the big, times, you know, the summer loving times of of San Francisco, and all of a sudden, on Wednesday morning, just out of the blue, I started singing the song White Rabbit, and I was like, oh, this is so bizarre, and then two or three days later, the song came back in my head, and finally, I was like, okay, I have to just play it, but I've come to the conclusion that this is a message from her letting me know that she's okay. Like she's like, you know, in some distant star belt or whatever. And maybe she's hanging out with some of the people she met during that crazy, crazy time. But, you know, the the lyrics to White Rabbit don't just show up in my head. You know, that's not a normal thing for me. So, um, but when those messages come, you know, being a writer, being a creative person, You have to, you have to wonder if those are symbols, if those are signs and if it's some sort of um, roadmap or direction to tell you what you should do next or what you should consider next. But I think I am going to have a story called White Rabbit and I'm going to have somebody from the beyond, you know, uh, sending messages to someone and um, you know, maybe there will be a real white rabbit, maybe there won't, maybe there will be some sort of Alice in Wonderland connection to it or something, but but I, I do know that that white rabbit thing was a message, and um, not everybody would be willing to say that or believe it, but it doesn't even matter to me if other people believe it. I already know it, so, you know, and, and when you're a writer, um, you can't, you can't question that stuff. You have to take it as a gift and roll with it. And because you're gonna have plenty of people wanting to criticize you for, you know, your naturally curly hair or, or your super geek glasses or whatever, you know, somebody's always gonna have something they, you know, aren't really crazy about, about you. But um, those kind of things, when you see those happen, like when you see like, a, I don't know, a purple burst come off a sun, a sunset or whatever, Those are messages for you, even if you're not a writer. So you should be paying attention to those things.
0: Well, I definitely love how you're in tune to that and you share it and you're bringing awareness to other people as well who may not be. So I think that's pretty awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your past and some of your um, upcoming new projects and just a little bit of your path with us. So um, it's gonna, I know that it's gonna touch people, especially during right now who are struggling or going through career changes and aren't sure about, did I just feel or see a sign or should I do or should I take the jump? So I think that's really remarkable. So thank you. Um, And you may know from watching some of our episodes, but we wrap every show with a quote. And so the quote that we chose for you tonight was traveling. It leaves you speechless, then turns you into a storyteller. I've been Batata. And so we thought that was a perfect fit for you because, you know, while don't go cutting up your passport just yet, because I truly believe we're going to get back there. um, You're going to be able to fill your book and our books and, you know, so many great stories. So keep on doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. You are so welcome. And for all of our viewers tonight, thank you guys for joining us. Please make sure to join and follow Bibiana and check out all of her upcoming fall books. They are so exciting, I can't wait. Um, and if you're gonna take advantage of that audio book, we'll kind of put into our stories and on our blog. And um, you know, you can rewind and listen to exactly how to contact her. We'll pop it up there as well. So make sure to get a free audio um, book from her. And thank you guys all for joining. Make sure to hit subscribe. If you have a nomination of another Red Bra guest, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us by our Instagram page. Simply reply as a comment on YouTube or reach us out or reach out to us at uh, redbraproject@gmail.com. at gmail.com. So thank you guys, everybody. It was so great seeing you all tonight, ladies.
2: Thank you so much for having me, you guys. This has been great. I really, really appreciate it.
0: You're so welcome. And we, we enjoyed our time with you. I'm not, I think Shauna's frozen and we may have lost her audio, but yeah, look good girl. (laughs) I don't, yeah, I don't think she's there, but okay. She
2: was there for most. Yeah. yeah, I don't, It just (laughs) went away. All right, everyone have a great night.
0: So much for spending some time with us on the Red Bra Project. We are so excited you stopped by. If the story resonated with you, if you could take one second and share it with somebody who needs it in their life, we would be so grateful. Stories hold so much power. We'd love to hear from you. So tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. Come on over and say hi to us at The Red Bra Project on Instagram. You can check the full written blog post on our website, theredbraproject.com. And every single one of our podcasts has a video to go with it over on our YouTube channel, The Red Bra Project. So thank you again for joining us, and we will see you soon.